Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, the Communications Project Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is David White. He's the Communications Director of the Veterans Cannabis Project. Uh, VCP is dedicated to improving United States military veterans' quality of life through the opportunity of cannabis. They empower veterans to live healthy, fulfilling lives while advocating on their behalf for unrestricted and supported access to medical cannabis through the VA, just like any other medicine. Thanks so much for being on the show today, David. Well, thank you, Bethany. I'm uh, pleased to join you uh, here today for your podcast. Wonderful. So uh, let's learn more about you first. Uh, Let's learn more about your background, uh, what kinds of work you did in the past before finding yourself contributing your time to the cannabis movement for veterans. Sure. Um, My uh, career has been uh, focused primarily on public affairs, uh, advocacy efforts, and working on Capitol Hill. Um, I started out working at the Republican National Committee in their research department. Uh, and then spent uh, about four four years on Capitol Hill working at both the Government Reform and Oversight Committee, as well as um, for Congresswoman Nancy Johnson as a press secretary and legislative assistant, where I uh, started to get involved in, in health care issues. Um, and then from there, left Capitol Hill and went to Edelman, which is now the largest uh, public relations firm in the world, uh, and helped... Hmm. Um, run public affairs and image campaigns for Fortune 500 corporations and industry trade associations, um, companies and and trade groups like the American Healthcare Association and Sikorsky Aircraft and Walmart, uh, the Embassy of Morocco, so a real wide variety of uh, clients. Um, And then from there, uh, I started my own consultancy, uh, which I continue today. Um, but didn't really get involved with uh, veterans issues until I uh, went to help out the uh, presidential transition team uh, and served as a media advisor to Dr. David Shulkin during his Senate confirmation process, where I really got to see firsthand some of the challenges that the Department of Veterans Affairs was facing, and particularly what uh, America's veterans were facing, uh, a lot of the difficulties that they were experiencing returning from combat and uh, a lot of the challenges in providing them the care they really need and deserve. Wow. Yeah, that, that's quite a background. And um, so, so you're still based in Washington, D.C., running around the Beltway. Is that right? I am. Yeah, still a, a creature of the swamp, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, it does provide for opportunities to get uh, deeply involved in advocacy um, for both for veterans and uh, more broadly uh, for cannabis reform. And uh, those are two areas I'm very 
passionate about and glad that I've found a way to bring the two of them together to uh, pursue them jointly. Absolutely. And, and if you can stand the, the swamp of D.C., it is a really great place um, to have access to all sorts of organizations and government agencies and so on. And um, I'm glad I get to go back once a year for NCIA's lobby days in the very least and see my old stomping grounds before I got whisked away here to Denver. <laughs> <laughs> Not so bad out here, though, for sure. No, I can um, imagine. Love Colorado. Yeah, yeah. And and thanks for your work with veterans. My dad is also a Vietnam vet, former Marine as well. And uh, he's got his own stories of coming back from, from the war for sure. Um, so um, veterans uh, need uh, support for, for various things, um, including when they return from combat, there's health issues and PTSD issues. And some of these veterans would really like to use cannabis or find that it helps them. Um, so is, was that realization sort of how you got involved in um, the cannabis industry and movement through that intersection of veterans wanting to uh, improve their quality of life? It, it really was, um, you know, doing some work with uh, Secretary Shulkin during his confirmation process, I got to really get a sense for how serious some of the um, ailments were that were afflicting our veterans. I mean, the disproportionate rates of depression and anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder, mm -hmm. uh, chronic pain. I mean, when you look at the statistics, you can really see that veterans are truly in crisis. Um, I mean, the Department of Veterans Affairs themselves recognizes that 20% of the 2.7 million Iraq and Afghanistan veterans will experience PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we see veterans coping with chronic pain and PTSD at twice the rate of average Americans. Um, and really 60% of veterans returning from combat suffer from chronic pain. So that's an area where, you know, obviously with the opioid epidemic and the VA looking to try to address these problems by prescribing a, a the typical combat cocktail of drugs, um, we've, we've seen that, you know, veterans are twice as likely as average Americans to die from accidental opioid overdoses. Um, mm. And so, you know, that's one area in which uh, both uh, significant research, but certainly anecdotally, we hear all the time that uh, medical cannabis can be a far safer and even more effective alternative to a lot of the prescription pills that our veterans are too often prescribed as just a quick and easy solution. Absolutely. Yeah, that opioid crisis um, is something that NCIA has um, certainly had on our radar. And a few years ago, we put a white paper out about cannabis being, um, you know, a possible solution for some people who would like to reduce the amount of opioids or or phase out opioids from their life as well. Um, if anybody wants to download that white paper, it's pretty easy to find. It's at uh, thecannabisindustry.org slash cannabis and opioids. Uh, so I encourage folks to download that and um, learn more about, about how cannabis is being used to ease the opioid crisis. Um, yeah, so so here here we are now. You're running the Veterans Cannabis Project team as the communications director, and the organization focuses on helping veterans improve 
their quality of life through access to cannabis. Um, so, yeah, tell me a bit more about your role there and, and, and your day-to-day and, and what kinds of programs and activities are happening with the organization. Sure. Uh, a lot of what we focus on is uh, trying to bring veterans from across the country to Capitol Hill to meet with their legislators to really provide the power of personal stories so that they can hear from their constituents and see the really kind of life-changing uh, benefits and positive impact that medical cannabis has had for a number of them, but then also uh, get into a discussion of a lot of the hurdles that many veterans face. Um, veterans are in a, a particularly difficult situation, particularly the, the 9 million veterans who rely on the Department of Veterans Affairs for their health care. Um, since cannabis is scheduled uh, as a uh, Schedule One controlled substance, the uh, Department of Veterans Affairs um, really won't utilize it as a treatment option. Um, They are barred by federal law from having physicians recommend it uh, from filling out any paperwork. um, And depending upon, you know, which doctor you see, um, they may not even discuss it with you. And Mm -hmm. a, a lot of the you know, lingering stigma, unfortunately, uh, leads a, a lot of veterans to be reluctant to even talk to their doctor if they are using medical cannabis. Um, you know, one interesting stat that the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America found uh, in, in one of their recent annual surveys was that one in five of its members used medical cannabis, but fewer than one third of those users talked to their doctor about it, even when it affected the use of other medications. So mm-hmm. that's that stigma alone then um, and some of the, you know, reluctance and fear it creates among veterans effectively, you know, denies them the benefit of the health care that they've really earned through their service and should be getting through the VA. So it's another one of those uh, areas that's extremely frustrating and, and something that needs to change. Yeah, for sure. And I, I heard something, I'm not sure if it's true, Maybe you know um, that if a veteran getting um, medical care through the VA um, is tested for the presence of substances in their body and cannabis is found, they can lose their VA benefits or something along those lines. Do you know anything like that? There is concern about that. There is a directive uh, that the VA issued that basically says that um, they, they can't be denied benefits, but that's not been codified into law. Mm. Um, and so there still is a lot of fear about that. And the other thing is um, concern about if they do test positive for cannabis use that in their medical chart, they will be labeled uh, as having a cannabis use disorder. Oh. So, uh, you know, again, um, it, it's another area of concern for veterans and something that, um, you know, for some of them may prevent them from pursuing uh, health care and treatment that they, they really need. So um, it's, you know, uh, an area of, of stigma and change that we, uh, we've got to reform. Absolutely agree. And, and thank you so much for getting those veterans out to the Hill to meet with uh, members of Congress and their staff to tell their stories and in the similar way that NCIA does with industry leaders and operators uh, through our annual lobby days as well, that 
it really being a human being and being able to tell your story to a member of Congress is more valuable than a lobbyist. Um, even though the lobbying is important also, it, it is so important to get, get those veterans out there to tell their personal stories. So um, hopefully we're changing the hearts and minds one day at a time out there um, in Capitol Hill. Um, we are going to take a quick commercial break here, uh, but we'll be right back to chat more with David White, the Communications Director of Veterans Cannabis Project. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're talking with David White from the Veterans Cannabis Project. Um, so let's, let's talk more. We've already kind of done the overview, the thousand-foot view of what's going on with veterans. Um, but let's let's really take a deeper dive about what's going on with veterans in the U.S. and why they need cannabis to address their many various health concerns, depending on who the veteran is. Yes. Well, I, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, veterans are, are really in crisis. Um, you know, VA's own research shows that the chronic pain that they experience and PTSD are two major contributing factors to veteran suicides. And we're seeing on average 20 veterans committing suicide every day. Mm, that is um, so, so you look at those facts and you look at some of these statistics and it really is quite frankly a national disgrace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're hoping again through some of these Hill visits, um, a potential capital policy forum that we're looking to do in the fall, uh, some of the grassroots networks that we're building across the country that we can really, uh, you know, raise awareness of this crisis uh, and how medical cannabis can help uh, potentially 
uh, address a number of these ailments and, and really save a number of lives. Um, you know, we hear every day from veterans who uh, credit medical cannabis with um, improving their quality of life or even saving their lives. And mm-hmm. so it's really uh, a powerful testament to uh, the healing properties of cannabis and uh, the promise it holds for, uh, for veterans. And a better option than, you know, just hitting the alcohol bottles or um, self-medicating with, you know, whatever you can get your hands on. We obviously know by now that cannabis is far safer um, than alcohol and various other substances, opioids. Um, So we really got to get this research um, to, to underscore what we know about cannabis and what we know from the personal stories of those who do use it. Um, so getting that scientific research here in the U.S. to, to prove that I think is, is going to be pretty crucial in, in this, this big picture. Um, so we don't have enough research here in the U.S. We're trying to um, circle around with Congress about how to make that happen. Um, let's, talk more, <clears throat> let's talk a bit more about the challenges veterans face getting access. We've already talked about doctors not even being allowed to discuss it with them. Um, so, so where does that put veterans who, who really want to use cannabis for what they need? Well, it, it leaves them obviously at a disadvantage if they rely on the VA for their health care because they can't go to the VA uh, and talk to their provider about filling out paperwork and getting a recommendation, uh, even in states where it's legal. Mm-hmm. Um, so first and foremost, that's you know one area that we're, we're looking to uh, advocate and make change. Um, your point about research, though, is, is also critically important. Um, you know, we have a, a fair amount of data that shows um, the positive uh, impact that medical cannabis can have, but much more research is needed. Mm-hmm. And again, because of the outdated policy and uh, the sort of miscategorization uh, of cannabis as a Schedule One substance, it makes research virtually impossible. And so, you know, we're, we're now preventing doctors and scientists from uh, doing the kinds of research we need to have a better understanding of how medical cannabis can best help our veterans and, and other patients as well. Um, so that's really another core aspect of what we're advocating for in addition to providing veterans legal access to medical cannabis through the VA. Right, so descheduling is really um, probably the, the smartest solution here for, for various reasons. Even taking it down to schedule two really wouldn't do much on a lot of levels. So. I know NCIA advocates for completely descheduling off of the controlled substances list for sure um, and allowing it to continue to be uh, an opportunity for small businesses. And um, I think I think veterans are also among uh, a, a, demographic, a demographic of people who may want to work in the cannabis industry if they have that ability do you think that's you think that's true oh they absolutely are um i mean that's a another group of people that we hear from on a regular basis as veterans looking to get into the industry um and it's something that our organization is looking longer term into being uh, more involved in is it's kind of to essentially serve as the a jobs 
clearinghouse and recruitment center, both for veterans and employers. Um, mm-hmm. There is, you know, as I'm sure most of um, your membership is well aware, um, you know, the employment opportunities, uh, if, if we realize full legalization are just tremendous. Uh, I think I saw a stat from New Frontier data not long ago that said the industry would create 654,000 jobs within eight years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, veterans, I think in particular, are, um, you know, well situated to be great employees in the industry. I mean, they really understand teamwork and attention to detail and uh, tend to be very highly responsible employees. And so it uh, really uh, could be an incredible match and um, something that, you know, I think we need to pursue both for veterans and, and the industry. Um, but that then gets back to veterans and some of the challenges they face. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, veterans who work in the industry be denied home loans, for instance. Um, and so there's some concern and reluctance uh, among veterans about getting into the industry. Uh, fortunately, that's beginning to be addressed in Congress. Um, in fact, this week, there's uh, amendment language by Congresswoman Catherine Clark of Massachusetts that would uh, add uh, language to the National Defense Authorization Act to effectively end the practice of denying home loan benefits to veterans that work in the industry. So, Oh, yeah, I um, saw that article. Yeah, that's, that's good news. Yeah, no, it's great news. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're making some progress. I mean, Congress is recognizing that, um, you know, a, a lot of the the current policies and laws just don't make sense. And so, you know, we're optimistic that it's really uh, a matter of time uh, before there's really a, a critical mass that uh, tips this over towards real progress, particularly in the Senate, uh, which is where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're seeing the most uh, resistance to, uh, to make comprehensive reforms to federal cannabis law. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, we we uh, we have some hemp farmers from Kentucky that we're hoping can soften Mitch McConnell up a little bit on on our issues. So we're yeah, the Senate is a little bit of a tough cookie for the moment, but um, we're, we're we're pretty optimistic. Uh, in the meantime, um, yeah, I was just thinking there's a couple of NCIA members that I know for a fact are veterans and um, wore um, some of their military. Uh, uniform pieces to lobby days. So um, shout out to Tom Mundell and Etienne Fontaine. Thank you so much for your service and being in the cannabis industry. Um, so are, are there any other bills um, or pieces of legislation in general that Veterans Cannabis Project is supporting right now that we should be aware of? There are a few. There's uh, the Veterans Equal Access Act, um, which would um, effectively authorize the Department of Veterans Affairs um, to allow their providers, their uh, doctors and other healthcare providers, to make recommendations for veterans regarding participation in state uh, marijuana programs. So if you have a VA facility and a vet in a state where uh, you have a legal medical program, they would be allowed to um, both make the recommendation and fill out the paperwork for that veteran. Um, so that that's high on our priority list. Um, we also are uh, supporting actively the VA Medicinal Cannabis Research Act of 2019, which would uh, direct the VA to carry out clinical trials uh, on the effects of cannabis, um, focusing 
really on chronic pain and post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh yeah, um, that'd be a game changer. That's it, that's great. It, it really could, and and the VA is really uniquely situated to conduct this kind of research. They have some of the best researchers in the world, and obviously deal with a uh, patient population that's disproportionately affected by uh, chronic pain and PTSD. So uh, we're we're optimistic that that's going to move forward, uh, hopefully in the near future, and uh, it's something that you know veterans desperately need. Um, and then the other thing is is really a, a bill. Um, sponsored by Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida. It's the Veterans Cannabis Use for Safe Healing Act. Uh, and that would effectively codify into law uh, protection of veterans benefits that are administered by the VA so that uh, there really is no concern that if you're a medical cannabis patient that you would uh, jeopardize or potentially lose any of your uh, earned benefits. Got it, got it, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yes, looking forward to seeing all of those um, move forward, get co-sponsorship, and um, hopefully we can see see this Congress move, move these bills along Capitol Hill. <laughs> um, well, we have to jump to a commercial break really quick, um, but when we come back, um, I, I believe you may have some testimonials from some actual real life veterans about their relationship with cannabis. That would be great to hear. So uh, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to take our last commercial break and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. NCIA's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Expo.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The National Cannabis Industry Association's 6th Annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo returns to San Jose, California's McInerney Convention Center July 22nd through the 24th. Register today at CannabisBusinessSummit.com and take part in the most influential, award-winning cannabis conference and trade show hosted by the cannabis industry's only national trade association. NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit and Expo offers attendees three days of engagement and interactive programs. Arrive early so you can participate in our pre-conference workshops and off-site tours. Join hundreds upon hundreds of exhibitors and thousands upon thousands of attendees at NCIA's 6th Annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, July 22nd to the 24th in San Jose, California. Register today at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. That's CannabisBusinessSummit.com. 
Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back and we're wrapping up our interview with David White from the Veterans Cannabis Project here on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Um, so th- thanks for breaking down uh, all, all the issues surrounding uh, veterans and their struggle and difficulty getting access to cannabis for, for the, 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 the issues that they're dealing with after coming home. Um, so I'm, sh- I'm sure there's some personal stories from working with these veterans about how cannabis has helped them. Um, I'd, I'd love for you to share with our audience. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, you know, a sample of just a few of the uh, veterans who've written into us, and you know, I'll share their first name, not to uh, you know give away their identity to protect mm-hmm. their privacy. But um, for example, we heard from uh, an Army veteran, Megan in Sweden, Maine, said, "I suffered an L1 compression burst fracture in the Army, and now fused from T10 to L3, which is a significant portion of her spine." Oh. Um, Besides chronic back pain, I started suffering from PTSD, neuropathy, chronic sleep impairment, and migraines. Medical cannabis helps with all of these sides, all of these uh, effects. It has also helped get me off opioids, Valium, muscle relaxers, and several other medications due to back injury. Uh, another mm-hmm. one is uh, Jennifer from Gilbert, Illinois, or Gilbert, Arizona, rather, who's an Air Force veteran, says. I use medical cannabis daily. I was being prescribed 600 pills a month for over three years in the VA. Consuming 480 oxycodone in 21 days before ending all pill usage and transitioning to medical cannabis. I have regained my sense of self, quality of life, and spirit back. I have been off all pills since mid-2016 and haven't looked back. Well, that's a beautiful story. It, it is. It's just an incredible the difference it makes. And one last one, uh, Aaron from Atlanta, Georgia, is a Marine Corps veteran, said, I'm a veteran and I use medical cannabis to help with my PTSD and pain management. I have encountered several legal obstacles here in Atlanta. I have no legal access to something that helps my life tremendously. I don't know what I would do without it. It works 100 times better than the meds provided by VA. So those, you know, give you some sense of really the, the personal stories of those who benefit uh, from medical cannabis and, and some of the challenges. And again, it, you know, I think provides very powerful, compelling personal stories um, when you have veterans as messengers for cannabis reform at the federal level. And so it's, you know, in addition to helping veterans, I think it's also proven to be very helpful for the cause overall. Uh, to have them out front and carrying the message of the need to reform our federal law. Absolutely. Yes, cannabis is impacting positively the lives of so many kinds, different groups, different demographics of people. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. Thank you for sharing those stories and thanks to the veterans that shared the stories. Um, so just to change uh, gears just a little bit here before we wrap up the show. Uh, there, there is a lot of talk uh, about hemp and CBD. CBD is the new the new black, the new pink. <laughs> um, everyone's talking about their CBDs and uh, you can get some kind of CBD from gas stations now apparently and it's showing up on um, shelves in all kinds of different health and hygiene products. 
Um, so I, I think for people who maybe aren't ready to go into uh, the full spectrum cannabis that includes THC and all the other cannabinoids, they are interested in a little bit of this hemp derived CBD possibility, although uh, the FDA hasn't come in and said we can put it in any food or anything like that. But um, it, it is interesting. And I think there's some, there's some hopefulness there. And our own director of public policy, Andrew Klein, um, helped collect testimonies and we put our own statement together and we submitted that to the FDA when they put a call out for recommendations. Um, so uh, even though this is probably going to be a slow process over the next couple of years before regulations get rolled out, um, it, it is, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that this is a, um, a stepping stone to get full cannabis legalization. Um, so we'll see how that goes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's certainly a step in the right direction. Um, I think seeing that um, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is on board, at least with hemp at this point, um, mm -hmm. shows that we're we're heading in the right direction. And so um, I think we have to wait and see where that goes. But um, I'm encouraged by it. Same, same. We're all we're all in, in waiting in this boat together. <laughs> we are indeed. Yes. Um, well, as we're wrapping up the show here. Um, uh, I, if, I don't know if you're going to be able to make it to San Jose later this month. We are hosting our sixth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, July 22nd through 24th in San Jose. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the website to register is CannabisBusinessSummit.com. There's also some great workshops and tours and continuing education opportunities for those who attend as well. So if you have not gotten your tickets, now would be a great time. Um, and I, I really want to thank you for being on the show um, and sharing what's going on at your organization. Um, NCIA is proud to have partnerships and um, we, we have an allied associations program. And um, I think it's important for all of us um, to keep focusing on the long-term goal. And we do that through various ways, through your organization, focusing on telling the stories of veterans, through uh, MCBA, Minority Cannabis Business Association, focusing on creating um, equity, social equity in the cannabis industry, and then NCIA working on these federal pushes for um, descheduling and safe banking and fair tax codes. Um, there's, there's so many issues and cannabis is such a big plant um, and affects our lives in so many ways. Um, so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for the work everyone at Veterans Cannabis Project is doing and uh, keep up the good work. And, and you're always welcome to join us at our conferences or our regional networking events, uh, the cannabis caucuses and the industry socials, which are a great way to get connected, get informed and get inspired and hearing stories about veterans who are improving their lives through cannabis is definitely in that inspiring category. Well, thank you, Bethany. I greatly appreciate that and appreciate all NCIA does to uh, advocate for uh, the industry and look forward to working together further with you in the future. Thank you so much. And where can people find out more information about Veterans Cannabis Project? 
they can go to our website, which is www.vetscp.org. That's V-E-T-S-C-P.org. Uh, you can learn more about uh, what we're doing and um, explore potential partnerships with us. We're always looking to team up with people in the industry uh, for either event sponsorships uh, or other activities that we're doing. So I would encourage your members to visit and uh, look for ways to work together. Wonderful. All right. Thanks again for being on the show. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.